Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create your reality in a way that's true to yourself. I'm starting today with a shout out to all those who've called in in the past. And I must admit, it took me longer than I'd have liked to fully appreciate that for many, many people, it's pretty intimidating to call in with a question. So today I am super encouraging folks to muster up the courage to call in, or perhaps you have a friend or family member who could use some help. And so obviously I'm here to help those who call in, but know that when you do, you are helping listeners all around the world learn from your situation that you're experiencing. So know that when you use your voice by joining me on the air, you are inspiring others to do the same. Okay, we're looking forward to a terrific lineup of callers, and we're going to start first in the Boston area with Raphael. Raphael, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Molly, thank you so much for uh, being here, with the opportunity to be here. It's just fantastic, and uh, I enjoy your show very much, and uh, yeah, it's a thrill. Uh, the pleasure is mine, my friend. I know you're not joining us with a typical Boston accent. <laughs> you want to tell folks a little bit about your background? Absolutely. I was uh, born in Houston. Uh, my father was getting a PhD in physics at Rice University, and my brother and I were born there. And then we, the whole family moved to Mexico, and I stayed there until my early 20s. Uh, and then I had the opportunity to, you know, come study in New York City, and I, I've been, you know, in, in that in the United States uh, for almost two decades now. So dating myself a little, but uh, that explains a little bit why uh, my Bostonian accent is um, not uh, quite there yet. <laughs> I think you should keep the one you got. I think we have enough people with the Boston accent. <laughs> it, it, it's okay. It's really okay. Uh, so I am really curious what situation or conversations on your mind today? Yeah. Um, well, the question is, how do you tell a friend, an acquaintance, a colleague, that their references that they're using to make a point or to try to uh, make a joke are just not being understood or are dated or are just not suitable for the audience. Um, and, you know, I, I would like to give you a few examples to make a little more clear what I'm, what I'm uh, you know, after. Uh, one situation happened uh, to me. Uh, you know, I was having a conversation with a colleague. He's younger. And... Uh, you know, it was very a very good conversation. We were agreeing on the topics to do. We, it was a live conversation. We were in person, and it, it felt like we were we had this camaraderie going and this um, uh, joint purpose. And suddenly, he says uh, he keeps quiet uh, after you know he, he says this is the this is the action we're going to do and. He makes a gesture. He makes a fist, uh, puts out the little 
the, you know, the, the little finger and, and brings it to his mouth in all, you know, a, a very yeah, fraction of a second and then stays silent. And I was just uh, not understanding what was going on. So he was making a reference to Austin Powers' villain, which, you know, a movie I didn't see, uh, and the whole camaraderie just came to a screeching halt, and we were just intergenerationally looking at each other. What you know, he was saying, "Yeah, you know, uh, Austin Powers." You know, and I, uh, you know, I, I, I know that reference, but I, I never see the movie uh, with with enough detail uh, uh, to, to 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 catch it. Right. So that was one instance in which the reference uh, used actually created distance, you know, created, uh, instead of a bridge, created a, created a boat with uh, 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 sharks and uh, crocodiles, you know. It, 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 it was pretty bad. Another instance was um, uh, my daughter was teaching me her, a little bit of her slang. She's 13. And uh, she was saying, you know, slay this, slay that, work it you king or to my to my wife you queen and i was excited about the, the new usage of the word uh, slay so <laughs> we, we we went out to, to buy something at a store and the, the clerk has been very helpful uh, and you know he was much younger uh, almost older than my, than my daughter a little bit and, and and i say something like yeah you slay and he looked at me uh, confused, and my my daughter looked at me confused, and and I I said, okay, now what did I say? Uh, the reference was not in the context in which is used, which apparently is between uh, girlfriends, and they it has a connotation particular to the usage that I would just didn't know. Uh, <laughs> a third example and final example before I I I, I let you guide us here. Um, is uh, a speaker that was giving a conference uh, in Mexico and not long ago, live before COVID. And this was a scientist, very well retired, but you know, he was uh, coming across as an authority in his topic. And then uh, to break the ice, the conference was going very well to you know, young students. He says, everybody take a piece of paper and you know, the, the, the young guys were like, oh, is this really going to happen? Are we going to have an exam? And then he says, as Dr. Chunga uses to say, muaha. And the audience went cold. They had no idea who Dr. Chunga was and no idea why muaha, that weird sound had anything to do with the conference. It turns out that uh, the gentleman was referring to <laughs> a character popular in Mexican television that came out in the Korea Olympics in 1988 or something like that. That was very popular at the time, but the usage was like a ice water uh, to, to the audience when everything was going very well. So, again, the question is, how do you tell these people or t tell myself, you know, the references that you're using are just, you know, dated or are not helping you or in a way that they, you don't offend uh, them, uh, you know. So that, that's more or less the gist. Does it make sense?
Oh, makes a ton of sense. I have the biggest smile on my face because <laughs> I could, I mean, especially if it's a big audience that someone could just turn them off in a second is it's a little hard to recover. I, I have to admit. So that one, I don't know what an audience member could do, but I do, I do empathize with someone because they're obviously in a world where they just think it's so basic. Like the sky is blue. If I said the sky is blue, everyone's going to understand that. So <laughs> Obviously, they're in a very different place. So first off, thank you for bringing it up. And this is a really interesting one. So let's take the, let's take the, the in, in sequence, the um, younger colleague with the, and I, and I get this because I don't see a lot of movies. And so people will make these <laughs> references. No, and, and I, I was born and I grew up in America. So people sort of assume, and I'm, I'm just not, I'm just way not cool on that. So um, I think, while you felt the screeching hull, I, I really encouraged the transparency and you had this great camaraderie. So the good things like the trust and, and you know, working together, that's all there, Raphael. So it just me like screeching hull, and you might, right, in a moment of maybe you're shocked, but you breathe and then it's kind of lightness. You start cracking up and going, wow, did you feel that? <laughs> oh, right? acknowledge the feeling of... Uh discomfort yes acknowledge the feeling of the screeching halt use the metaphors you use are very effective Raphael, because metaphors make it a little less you know tense and real like oh my god we're in a moat and you know you lighten it up and you smile and by doing that even though potentially people could take offense and and it's everyone's right if you want to take offense i would first consider is the other person really trying to offend me and if they're really not trying to offend you, let's not create something out of nothing. So, you know, let that be. And then, you know, see, see where the person is at. So this is just being in the moment of the relationship and seeing what they say. And they may look at you like, what? And you'll be like, what? And, so, <laughs> and then say, so help me out here. I'm not, you know, in the light way. I'm not, I'm just not following you. Really, and you can even say, "Really sorry, I'm not following you." It doesn't mean you're wrong or he's wrong, and and then see what they say. Oh, you've never seen it? No, you know what? I actually have never seen that movie, and that gives a chance for the person to dive into the movie for him to tell you about it. If they use the reference, there must be something about it that they particularly uh, are fond of about oh. it. So it's a chance to deepen connection, right? This is you think about this. Have a little bit of a a hiccup, use the hiccups to make a relationship stronger, not think about, oh my God, it never should have happened, or I should know that, or he should never have used that. We don't know. And and you know, your your point about knowing something that they like becomes another bridge because you can say, oh, you you like fun movies. That's great. Uh, Let me tell you, have you seen this other one? Or uh, no, tell me more about it. I, I I will see the movies and then we can talk about it. And, and you know, as a reference, uh, it's saying I'm interested in you as a person. And that thing is so interesting that you like those movies. Let let me check them out. Uh, you know, something like that. Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. And um, so that that one's that one. I think you know that one. I love and I, that I will cover the. That's a work scenario. So I love I love the family <laughs> one here because I can oh. see. I can see you wanting to be like the groovy dad. So when I'm yeah. an aunt, you know, I'm constantly trying to sort of keep up, you know, and be like completely not uncool with the young people. And so, <laughs> you know, I think that that the same thing is you can just kind of burst out laughing. And this is where I think the self-deprecating 
okay, here's daddy trying to be Mr. <laughs> Groovy. Okay. And, you know, when, when people over with yourself deprecating sense of affection and, you know, I think, listen, these young people, they have their thing. They like to think that the other people don't get it or whatever. So, you know, I think the opportunity is to look at it, honey, I'd love to be like super groovy dad. Like one, what's one groovy thing you can teach me to do and let them be a teacher to you. Right. Okay. Well, dad, you could do this and it would be that. Well, whoa, whoa, wait a second, I'm not getting it. And, and let them play the role of, you know, it's a reverse mentoring thing of being the educator and helping you, you know, um, grow. And, you know, they may not, you know, some, sometimes kids like to have their own world. They like that their parents aren't in it. And honor that if that's the sense that you're getting. Um, and at the same time, if you just let them know, you know, I really, you know, I want to, I want to stay current. And if I can't do that on my own, I really need someone like you, you know, would you be my mentor or whatever that mm. shows, you know, vulnerability uh, and extending, if you will, you're empowering the young person because there's something that you don't know. And, you know, there's something very, you know, I think, I mean, I just think there's something very um sweet about that, touching about that when an older person or a person who's traditionally more powerful is saying, look at, I need help. I don't get it. You know, I'm a little clueless here. And um, I think it really speaks to one's own self-confidence, quite frankly, that one is comfortable to do that. So let me pause oh, there. How's that landing? So many, oh, I'm, I'm just, so many, the vulnerability part is, uh, that would, usually the the parent and especially when you have a teenager a lot of time is um you know discipline or uh trying to 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 help the teenager follow certain norms right so the the, the parents we we become uh, in a sense disciplinarians and uh, this opportunity to show vulnerability and to, to say listen teach me uh I, I'm interested, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I want to know you better. I want to know your world a little better. And, uh, you know, teach me something that it's uh, groovy. Teach me something that, uh, uh, you know, would be cool. And, and, and I think that that would be a wonderful thing for my daughter to experience uh, this kind of interest in, in her dad. And as a son myself, obviously, that that was a great uh, part of my childhood when my father would say uh you know uh, would ask me to to teach him something or wow i'm i'm you know i i'm sharing something with my dad and and i'm teaching him something it, it's great for self confidence yeah totally i love it i love it i love it i uh, a quick uh child parent thing i remember my sisters and i were we were gymnasts and you know, my mom was very, she's a great swimmer. She's an amazing tennis player. But I remember we were hanging out once and she, we were doing backbends or whatever. So my mom's like, okay, I can do a backbend. And for folks who have done the wheel post backbend, this is not your average thing that most people can do. But there was my mom on her back. We're like, okay, mom, you can do it. Push your hands here. And she was really, she oh. was just, it was just the greatest thing, you know, like, hey, I'm, I'm giving a shot at your world. And it just was an honoring, right, of, that what we do, she wasn't pretending she was going to do it great or what have you, but it really was, it really deepened the connection, I have to say. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. Oh, beautiful. So let us go to the speaker at the conference. So I'm curious when this happened and the balloon popped and the air <laughs> left the room. So what, yeah. what happened? I'm really curious if, the, if well, the professor recognized it or what, how did they handle it? No, I mean, uh, obviously there was silence, uh, 
I knew the reference, so I was more like, okay, now what's going to happen? You know, I was just observing the audience and uh, the puzzled kids. And but uh, you know, at the end, uh, he continued. Uh, uh, it was almost at the end of the presentation, so there were other remarks, and you know, there were there was a, a, a the gentleman obviously. Uh, did a great job. Uh, uh, he knows his stuff, and the, the audience recognized his wisdom. And you know, they moved along. Uh, it's just that uh, the magic that was created suddenly was not there anymore. And and uh, you know, I, I imagine if a publisher, a potential publisher of your book, is is there in the audience and. Something like that happens. I, it, it can be taken in many ways. So, um, uh, it, fortunately for this gentleman, the recovery was good. The standing ovation was at the end. It, it was it was fine. But uh, professionally, it happens more often than not. Yeah, I I, uh, I appreciate that. I think the message is for folks: look at, do your best to try to keep things so that. Uh, they're broadly understandable to the extent that there might be something, you know, offer that up if I'm not clear or if I've made a reference that uh, isn't something that lands for you, let me know, right? Invite the audience to let you know, because that's what we would want. If we inadvertently said something and people were lost, gosh, we would really hope someone would say, you know, this is really super and I'm lost. Um, And the worst thing is when people aren't transparent about it, whether they ding you or not isn't really the point, but we've lost a chance to have some understanding. So um, that's really fascinating. Uh, Raphael, I really appreciate you calling in. Do you have a top takeaway yourself from our little conversation? Oh, (laughs) it's it's many, but I think one of the things that is coming clear is uh, when it's an opportunity, if something like this happens and you manage it skillfully, it's an opportunity to create bonds by using self-deprecating humor or just, you know, humility and saying, listen, uh, I, I'm sorry I, I lost you or, or you know, I'm, I'm sorry I, I'm, I haven't seen Austin Powers, but, uh, uh, you know, tell me about it. And, and you become honest, you become more transparent, uh, and it can be actually an opportunity to have a much better understanding and much better bridge between the generations and between the cultures. So... Uh, that for me is a, a great insight that is coming out of this conversation. I love it. I love it. And in the spirit of appreciation, I'd love for you to just appreciate one thing about yourself in calling in today and sharing what you did. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, it's gratitude. Uh, uh, you know, expressing gratitude and allowing myself to just, you know, dedicate some time to, to, to thank you and, and thank the audience for this opportunity and and just uh, uh, also the the, the uh, having fun. Uh, this is this has been a lot of fun, <laughs> and it, it's gone so quickly that uh, <laughs> I think uh, those two things will be uh, something I congratulate myself for. Good for you. You know I am cheering for you. You know how to reach me. If I can be of more help, you let me know. I thank you for being part of the solution. Raphael, I look forward when we next cross paths and you take good care. Thank you, Molly. I appreciate it. Ciao, ciao. 
Oh, it's so fun. Re- folks, it really is fun. <laughs> okay. If you're listening and have something come to mind, invite folks to call in at 866-472-5790 or International Collect is country code 1-480-398-3352. And we go clear across to the West Coast where Matt is. And I welcome Matt to the show. Hi, Matt. Doing fantastic. Can you hear me Okay. Yeah, I can hear you fine. Can you hear me all right? I can now. Outstanding. Okay. So how, how are you Good. today? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm, I'm wishing that we were on video, though, because I would like very much to be putting my little finger to my mouth and saying, Good morning, <laughs> Molly, in my best Austin Powers impersonation. I really re- related to that because I only sort of saw that Same movie here. and people use that thing. And I'm always a little, I am kind of lost on that yeah. stuff, I, you know, so I get yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating sort of treading between a couple generations, between my generation and then my kids' generation and trying to figure out where all the references lie, you know, on any given day. It's very, very, very funny. Yeah, it's hysterical. So I appreciate your being on the line early. What yeah. uh, conversations on your mind? Um. Thanks uh, so much for uh, for offering this up. Um, I've been thinking a lot recently about the process of onboarding, um, starting a new job, um, kind of specifically during the pandemic, um, but knowing or maybe hoping that that's going to go away soon, more, gener- more generally sort of doing it virtually. Um, in the last 18 months, I've been onboarded two times first was more or less a disaster. The second is going much more smoothly. And then I've also been guiding one of my mentees as he, excuse me, as he onboards virtually. And it's sort of fascinating to try and look at and understand the roles of a manager um, or a supervisor um, or an HR director and kind of how they welcome somebody as part of a team and then also as an employee. And, and I, I was really kind of curious to get your thoughts about sort of respective roles there and, and how they balance the two. And, and, you know, when there's a power dynamic in play as in somebody's been there for a while and somebody's brand new, how do you sort of overcome that and make sure that you're showing up as yourself? Um, questions like that, really. Oh, great one. I bet a lot of people are nodding their heads because this has come up more than once. I really appreciate you bringing it up. So I'm sorry that there was a disastrous experience. Do you mind, you know, without, you know, throwing anyone under the bus here? What was it? What was disastrous about it for you, Matt? Yeah, sure. You know, I think really, um, you know, I learned a long time ago that in a in a situation like that, it's really important for me to look at my own responsibilities um, as opposed to just point the figure, finger elsewhere and go, this was your fault and you did this and you could have done this better. Um, I think that uh, there, is a, there was a role for me in um, having better interrogated the role um, in advance um, and really drilled in during the interview process. But what happened was that, and, and maybe this is in part because I'm as senior, quote unquote, as I am, as experienced as I am, but there was largely an expectation that I would walk in and be able to do all the things. And yet there is a very distinct culture. There are very distinct processes. There are people that I have never met or never worked with, et cetera. And that was never really, um, that was really never taken into consideration. It was just, you know, quite literally one of, here you go, kid. I hope you can swim without sort of the, the buffer of, right, here's, here's kind of, 
how we want you to start. Here's how we're going to ease you in. Here's how we're going to help you feel part of the team, et cetera. It was, I was largely left to my own devices. Wow. Okay. I love this one. And I love that you were like, hey, I could point the finger and it may be justified, but let me own what I can own. So I want yeah. listeners to really take that to heart because that in and of itself sets up a very solution feeling, like an orientation yeah. of solution as opposed to, you know, pushing it off on someone else. And I love how you talked about better interrogating the role. Yes, when we are being interviewed, they want to learn all about you. You need to learn about them. So it's really, yeah. really a great opportunity to um, find things out, to set expectations. It may not change your ultimate decision, but it can make a huge difference, as, as you're pointing out, in your early experience and setting yourself up for a success. So I think this notion of, you know, when, when people are senior, and I say this because I know someone very, 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 very senior in such a senior role where he went in and it was a new um, industry, if you will, and it would have been very reasonable to go into the, the beginning mechanics of it. And he, and he, this being a learning senior person, as you can imagine, was like, uh, you know, I feel like I don't really understand the mechanics of how this works. You know, I'd really like to learn. And they said, well, we have a, a whole course, but we didn't think you would do it, <laughs> you know, meaning because he was so senior. And he was just like, oh, my God, please, we do not have time for this. I obviously want to be well-equipped here, and I can't really serve the organization if I don't understand some of the basic mechanics here. So I do think that if, realize that they're also trying to impress uh, you, the candidate. So as a candidate, the ability to say, oh, I can appreciate, you know, I've 20 years, what have you, I've been here. I want to I want to model a beginner's mindset for you because I have mm -hmm. found that the some of the um, dotting I's and crossing T's Details are actually quite essential to success. Could you map out for me, you know, maybe there's a knowledge part and there's a process part, mm -hmm. but lay it out a little bit so that you can see, does their onboarding process cover that? Are they like, oh, check, we got that. This is exactly how we handle it versus mm -hmm. deer in headlights. Well, well, what do you mean, Matt? <laughs> you know, then that would give yeah, you an idea. Right. And it doesn't mean you wouldn't go there, but it might then help everyone appreciate that we're spending all these big bucks to bring people in. Wouldn't it be great yeah. to equip them to really you know, accelerate their onboarding rather than flail in the water needing a life. Yeah. Mo Molly, any, any thoughts about that's That's awesome. I love that. I love that idea of modeling a beginner's mindset um, in particular as a senior person who can then advise them on bringing in additional people. I love that thought. Um, any thoughts specifically about doing that virtually um, in particular yeah. where it's so hard to feel like a team when you're working yeah. virtually, you know, it's one thing when you're part of a team and you all disperse, right? And you yeah. all go to your respective homes or wherever, but it's another thing all of a sudden to enter that team where that communication dynamic is already working and there's already flow happening amongst them. And all of a sudden you're inserted into that and expected to play a role. Yeah. So I think ideally, so ideally the, I would say the existing team. So you mentioned onboarding, a manager, a supervisor, an HR. Yeah. I would yeah. hope, right, that those groups are saying, okay, you know, here we are going to great expense and effort to bring on these new people who we hope stay a long time and do amazing, right? And so part of their ability to be amazing is that we own their onboarding and make it a really win-win experience. So I would want those folks to bring cross-functionally the folks to say, hey, so what's the desired outcome? 
And it, you know, it might be a sense of experience. It might be a sense that they've learned these things and maybe a feeling of X, Y, or Z. Having that group co-create the outcomes and then looking at the role saying, hey, so how do we accomplish that? And we want to make sure that this candidate, this new employee feels that we're all in lockstep supporting mm-hmm. their journey here. So that would be ideal, folks. And it doesn't yeah. have to be perfect. Yeah. If you have the intention and you folks are communicating and the, and the new person sees that this is going on, that's like 80% of the way. That's, a, that's really yeah. huge. Now, for yeah. the new person coming in, here you are, like you're joining this party that's been going on and you're like, whoa, wait a second. Uh, you know, if they haven't thought about that, I think a way to, to handle that, and it could be in a group. It also could be, you know, maybe there's a more senior or more influential person saying, hey, you know, I am noticing and appreciating the great camaraderie, you know, that the people are really open, that you're really loving it and say, I want to be able to be right in the middle there. And I'm a little bit feeling like I'm sort of on the outside pounding on the door here, you know, um, help me. What do you, what's your advice? Uh, is there some way that we can, and, and I envision that I'm not the only one, we're going to have people subsequent to me coming on board. So this might be a great core capability to be able to onboard in this virtual world. Um, mm-hmm. What are we thinking here? So not to say you have to solve it, but if you can ask the question, yeah. everyone says, yeah, that's a great question. And you know what? No one of us is going to be able to best answer it. It's going to be something that if we tackle as a team, it would be great because, right, teams want to co-create. Hey, what's open feel like? How often do we want to get on these calls? Are we sick of Zoom? Mm-hmm. Are we not sick of Zoom? Do we get on video? I'm not here to answer those for a team. I do think, you know, that I hope that people appreciate that there is this human connection part. And if you just want to bang out yeah. emails, you know, all day, that's not exactly going to be, yeah. you know, it, it's hard yeah, to sustain world-class culture that way. So yeah, uh, I'll just, sure. I'll pause there. How's that landing? Um, that lands great. That that idea of being able to say, um, I could use some help in figuring out how how best to land here. I could use some help in figuring out how the team already communicates and where I can complement that, as opposed to just simply observing from the sidelines. Um, makes a lot of sense, Molly. Yeah, and so another thing um, along the lines, and again, sometimes people like to do the, well, I'm just going to hang back and I'll watch, I'll watch for a month. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to give folks. Also, though, you know, the, the notion of velocity, of speed, of accelerating. So it might be that, yes. you know, new kid on the town here, new kid on the block. Um, I just, I'd love to just get some thoughts here because I want everyone to know that I'm here to support the team. I know I have a lot mm-hmm. to learn from all of you. And to the extent that I can be helpful for any of you, I want to be here for you. So I will, if, if uh, folks are okay with this, you know, throw out some what may seem like dumb questions, right? Um, and I just want folks to know that I'm doing that in a spirit of helping me come up to, to, to speed sooner. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to tell anyone that what they're doing. Sometimes people think that like, well, I'm being aggressive or overbearing. Just, mm-hmm. just tell them what you're afraid of, right? And saying, so yeah. I, I just want folks yeah. to know. And, and if, you know, and I, again, I, I warmly welcome uh, feedback from folks uh, at any point in time. Mm-hmm. I remember, it's funny that you say that. I remember there was a company, and I, I don't think this was a company where I worked. Um, I think it was a company that I heard about that actually gave every new employee a small deck of what they called new person cards. 
and that person in in a meeting could play one of their new person cards at any time, and that either statement that they made or question that they asked would be greeted by the team as an opportunity to teach and demonstrate kind of how the company has done things historically or, um, you know, the, the political issues around raising an issue like that or, you know, whatever. But that new person card was a little bit of like their, their get out of jail free card that allowed them to ask or question anything. And they had a certain, they had a certain number of them that they could use in the first, you know, weeks and months that they were there. I always thought that was a really interesting idea. Oh, I love it. A little gaming, a little gamification of it. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for bringing that up for folks. This is the deal. For anyone out there wondering, nobody has figured this out. Okay. Like no one has the exact number of days that we're supposed to be virtual, who should be virtual. So this notion, you know, which, which underpins to say it skillfully of hearing all voices, including what may be perceived as the unpopular ones, is the only way to get the different opinions up to align on an accurate shared reality of how do we all come together that's best going to serve the enterprise, because if the enterprise doesn't sustain, we don't have jobs. So we want to make sure that the enterprise thrives and that we as individuals find it a place that's fulfilling um, and rewarding, and then we can contribute to our fullest. And, you know, my observation is the organizations that provide that, people want to stay. You know, they, they, yeah. they, people, I have a lot of people job, jumping jobs. They make a dollar more an hour and they go, hey, I, I totally understand that. And I think at the organization level is taking a step back and saying, okay, you know, given this environment, what can we be doing to, uh, to quote my friend Dory Clark, play the long game, right? So yeah, that, right, right. you know, we're not trying to kind of race to the bottom. Um, and I know it's hard. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, for folks listening, I'm not pretending that it's an easy thing. But for sure, it's the coming together. Um, and this onboarding, you know, at Cisco, it was called New Employee Orientation, NEO. And I have super fond of memories. It was a great experience. It was an awesome part and a lot of folks I would not have otherwise worked with and come in contact with were people that I knew from from NEO. And and so for folks in talent or HR, it really can be a, a really competitive advantage. Um, and so don't think of it as just a checkbox thing. You know, did they get their computer? Do they have their phone? You know, this is an opportunity to create this amazing initial experience that confirms for the person they made the right uh, decision. Um, and can be a real attraction in in, in yeah, that's great. bringing talent on. That's you have great. been a saint. Any uh, so I guess I, I would, do. You have any other follow-ons, Matt? No, I don't think so. Um, thanks. That's that's super helpful. You know, we could we could probably spend a, a lot of time talking about the challenges for the for our communities of color um, in onboarding um, challenges that they'll specifically have in particular virtually. Like it just it just exacerbates the issues that are already in place. But I don't want to take up all your time, Molly. <laughs> well, let's just spend a minute. Yeah. That's super important to me. So let's just spend a moment on that because I do yeah. appreciate you bringing it up. I I, yeah. I have heard folks, um, and I'll just say non-dominant groups, feel a bit of fatigue. Everyone's asking me, how do yeah. I feel? What do I do? And it's not my job to solve world hunger. And I, I get it, you know. And so I do think that having some compassion for folks in that fatigue of, you know, what do all the people who are different need? You just you need to somehow find a way to honor that. I do think yeah. that at an organization level, being very clear, this is what we value, right? I hope it is that everyone can be their best and fullest self, that that yeah. might look different for some of us, that we're going to 
we as an organization have these things in place, but we're not saying they're perfect or the, the, the only right thing. And we would really encourage and we actually expect all of our folks to weigh in um, so that we create a, an environment that really honors all. And it's, again, it's not something people have figured out. This isn't, let's go buy yeah, a book and yeah. do these 20 steps. Uh, Matt, yeah. so I appreciate your bringing it up as a question. Um, I will say that for folks who haven't, you know, for women, like, no, like I talk to women, I'm like, do you want to go and be the, the first woman? Really? Is that your job? I mean, it's, it's hard, you know? So, I mean, if you haven't yeah, already yeah. gotten some momentum, some people look at it and say, really, you want me to be your token or your initial person to, yeah, to, yeah, to take sure. this, you know, so, and that's valid. So I, you know, you've yep. heard the, the things about interviewing pools, you have to have at least, I don't know if it's two or three for women, sure. you can't have one. Right. So I just think being, realistic about that and also yeah. playing the long game on that, right? It's not an overnight yeah. switch, um, but if you are clear on your intention and have everybody enrolled in supporting that, I have every faith that, that it goes well. So I yeah. appreciate you bringing that up. Do you have a particular top takeaway from our chat, Matt? Um, um, loved the whole thing, to be honest with you, but really, um, I think really appreciate the the idea of, um, modeling the beginner's mindset, as I mentioned earlier. And then also the, the concept of, as you're new, there's nothing wrong with hanging back and watching and observing, making sure that it's clear to everybody that you are there to support the team and that you recognize you have a lot to learn, but that you um, will occasionally have a, a question to contribute, et cetera. Um, I think that notion of, of, trusting the organization and trusting yourself to be able to hang back and learn as opposed to, I need to jump in, I need to do, um, is a really important <laughs> skill and, and really important takeaway, Molly. I love it. I love it. I love it. And with Raphael, I'm going to ask you, Matt, one thing you would appreciate yourself about calling in today. Uh, it's so funny. You, you opened the show with the idea that there are people who are anxious about doing that. Um, and you and I don't know each other that well, but that, is, that has never been an anxiety area for me. I always find questions to ask and, and think that it's as important for the person listening as it is for the person asking um, to have questions to answer to. Um, so I always try to find questions to ask. So for me, it's just uh, I think, you know, I, I suppose I just appreciate the the ability to really listen to you and really hear what you're having to, to offer. Um, and then being able to easily figure out how to, um, how to utilize that in my own experience and then share it with some of the mentees that I work with as well. Love it. I love it. I love it. I appreciate you honoring yourself, Matt. I am here for you. Thank you for being part of the solution. I'm cheering for you and you take good care. Thanks Molly. You too. Ciao, ciao. Oh, so fun. Okay, we are now coming back to the Big Apple, and I am thrilled to welcome Meredith to the show. Meredith, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Hey, Molly. How are you? Thank you. Well, I could not be more fabulous because I'm chatting with you. Oh, <laughs> that's so great. I'm so happy to be here speaking with you. Thank you for the invitation and for the space to speak. That's awesome. So what is on your mind? 
So my question is around um, something related to sort of organizational, um, it's, it's an organizational development type question. I'm, I'm, I work in that space. And um, my question for you is in this world of working remotely, um, organizations where there are structures um, and functions that are quite distinctly different and work on very different tasks within their, their respective function, um, how can points of synergy be be developed between those? So, for example, um, you know, if the organization has uh, set values, um, those are some of the ways that there's synergy between these two very distinctly different groups that don't work necessarily um, cross-functionally very often, but at least they have these values to kind of fall back on as their common ground. So I guess I'm wondering, um, what are some of the other ways um, to create those points of synergy when they're not actually collaborating on a daily basis? Uh, That is a really great question, my friend. Thank you, thank you, thank you for bringing that up. Uh, Obviously, the culture (laughs) part is... is underpinning, right? That that you notion the shared values and that's in our actions and how we treat each other, how we speak to each other. The you know, the the power of getting to know our colleagues um, at a human level is not to be underestimated. And uh, I may have said before on the show I, I had done some work with clients and someone had been at a company seventeen years and we'd done a big sharing of, of people's life journeys. And he said, you know, I have never had a conversation like this with my colleagues ever in 17 years. Mm. So um, whether that is constructs that might be the birthday breakfasts um, or the Mm. lunch and learns, I think some of those that really give an opportunity to showcase what people are doing and people think, well, it's not relevant to work. I said, you know what? When you get to know people, I, I am never not awed by when I, sit down and, and talk to someone about some of the things that they've done or the places they've been, or what they've been through. Um, so there's just so much richness. So I might offer that as something that is, you know, and it's also very empowering for the individual sharing panel sessions on topics where people feel like they're, they can use their voice and it can be heard. So that's one mm. thing that comes to mind. I do want to offer, because I'm working with some organizations whereby you know, the whole concept of the silo, you hear this, like, we're very siloed here. And it's super, mm. you know, you can have these separate functions and marketing crushes it and sales crushes it. And, you know, but the idea of being able to weave those threads together so that each function is really supporting the other function's success truly in their actions. And we all know that conceptually people want to do that. However, lots of times we really don't know one, what it's like over there, or we have no idea what, what's needed. And it's less of a problem-solving thing. Um, I've done activities where folks, where people just share a bit about, like, what is it like over there? Like, what is a day in the life of like? And when, you know, when you're in customer service and someone from the technology team is really like, wow, those are the kinds of questions people call in, they ask you that? I'm like, yes, we're at the front line here. <laughs> These are the things. And hmm. so I would offer that the ability to create empathetic understanding across functions is a starting point because you start to get the human connection, the appreciation of each other and the trust. And when you have trust, you can then say, you know, we're, we're really struggling with this. Like, you know, we're doing okay, but it could be better, but we don't really even know like who to ask for how to do it. And that is not an easy thing in a company. I know leaders would love people to say, you know what, hey, this is really foreign for me. I have no idea. But that's not easy to do. So when you start to create 
that idea of, hey, let's, let's all make it our job to go over there and see what we can do to be helpful. Um, and people might say, well, we have so much going on, you know, so <laughs> I get that too. So you got to do this in a way where we think about very clear what makes the organization successful at the top level. And then everyone sees what's going on from each department to support that. And then how do we amp up each, each different silo? And by the way, in some cases, there may be a part of the organization because people have left or the market shifted or what have you that are struggling a little bit more. They're not bad people, but perhaps they need a little bit more love and caring and attention from an organization. So just pause there. How's that landing for you? Yeah, definitely. I, I, I really, it really resonates the human to human connections. And I think, especially in a remote world, we sometimes forget that the person on the other end of the Zoom is a person with a life and a personality and things outside of that little screen. And so I think it's, um, it's a good reminder to sort of tap into that human connection and, and create, create ways to, to allow people to share um, their human side, um, even if it is in that little box, but, you know, creating a separate meeting, if you will, or I like this, this idea of a lunch and learn, creating designated time to really um, allow for those human, human to human connections. Um, I think, I think that's, um, I think that's really great. And I agree too on the, uh, you know, the, the sewing of silos, right. Just sort of finding those threads um, between the silos. And, you know, I, I do think I, I worked in an organization where, the, um, the product team would spend time literally sitting at the desk of, this is before COVID times, right? So they would sit at the desk of the person who was on customer service calls um, to hear the types of questions that were coming through because this ultimately informed their work when they went back to build the product or work on the product. Um, and so I, you know, I love this idea of that sort of that day in the life because not only is it a way to kind of have this understanding of what another person in your organization is doing every day, it's also a way to enhance, in this case, a product um, and really kind of build that in a way that is directly from the customer's um, feedback. So um, that resonates with me as well. I love both of these points. Thank you. That's awesome. You know, for leaders listening, by the way, so it sounds good. Yeah, yeah, day in the life. Re- realize it takes time. And so part of the leadership opportunity is to be able to prioritize, particularly when people are new to, like, hey, we're, this is part of your job. We're gonna, we want to create the space for you folks to really get what it's like for each other. It's not a nice to have. We think of it as essential. It is part of your job. We're creating time. And I think sometimes it, it can come across as, yeah, 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 all that people stuff, as long as you do your other work. And I think for the leaders who are enlightened, mm-hmm. they get that this is part of the work and we need to show that we value it by, by giving people the space and the time. Um, mm-hmm. Not to put you on the spot, yeah. but I am curious across your career Meredith, you know, I, I think of this as um, the ability to be able to say what you think needs to be said, which to me is a reflection of can you be your true self. If you had a rate on a scale of 1 to 10 across the whole range of organizations, you know, honestly, how have you felt? You know, have you been a 10? Like, oh, I'm here. I can say anything I want. I can bring it up. One might be 10%. You know, how, how would you, you know, rate your own experiences? Hmm. I think across my career, it's been it, it's been a it's it, it's been a ten. I mean, I think that I, I've always been very fortunate to be either in a position or having built the necessary rapport to be able to to say what needs to be said. Um, there have been very few contexts 
um, you know, organizations um, in which I've not necessarily had that level of, of psych safety or that level of, uh, of autonomy uh, to, to, to speak honestly about what was on my mind. And really that was a function of the way the organization was set up, you know, rather bureaucratically or, um, you know, in, in such a way where the hierarchy uh, did not allow for sort of speaking out of turn, if you will. Um, yeah. But that so was, in- you know, definitely a very small part of my, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I, that's so fantastic. And for those, I think a lot of folks, and it's hard to differentiate, I think some people feel that they're in very bureaucratic places and they can't speak up. There probably is a little bit more wiggle room from those. I think some people are in what I would call soul-sucking places where you really can't speak up. And that's a different story because I really would hope for people to be able to find a better place. But as you may mm-hmm. have watched colleagues or in those situations where you felt like, Heh, this isn't exactly you know 100% Meredith, what are, were you, did you try to do some things or did you just kind of say, you know what, I just think that I'll be here for a while and then I'll move on. I'm just curious how you thought about it um, in terms of to kind of protecting your own experience. Mm. So, so your, the question is uh, um, in those contexts where I did not feel I had the, the space to, yeah. to speak my like, mind. Yeah. What did yeah. you think? Did you just like let uh, it go and say, I'll be out of here or did you try to do something about it? <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like you it's like you're reading my mind and and you have a, a glimpse into my life, Molly. Um, in fact, um, I am experiencing this um, and I am not standing for it and I am doing something about it. <laughs> um, I um, you know I, I, it's it's something that is I'm actually you know dealing with as we speak in the sense of um, this is I'm experiencing for the first time in my career a uh, an environment in which. Um, you know, I, I'm not able to challenge the status quo when I believe it's the right thing to do to challenge that status quo in a respectful manner um, because it's, you know, bureaucratic and, and very political. And that um, not only makes it very challenging for me to do my job, um, w- which is very much rooted in change. Uh, my, my, my function is to bring change within an organization. It, it makes it challenging to do that. And it also makes it really challenging um, on a personal level because I think for the first time I'm, I'm being... Um, kind of muffled. And that's something I've not experienced. And, you know, I say that, um, you know, I, I want to stress that point, too, because as a, as a woman, um, you know, in, in, who's held several leadership roles, um, I do not take for granted the fact that this is the first time in my career that I have felt muffled. Um, I feel so grateful and fortunate to have worked with um, so many male leaders and female leaders, but mostly male leaders who, who never, um, you know, silenced uh, my voice at the table. Um, and that's something that I really don't take lightly. And so, you know, experiencing that now for the first time is very jarring. Um, and I think it's a reminder, too, that I think that I'm, you know, it's probably something that unfortunately is maybe more common than not. Um, and that's something that I, you know, I think that me doing something about it now and really kind of um, you know, taking a stand um, against it is is something that I'm doing for for others, not just for myself. <laughs> I hope to be able to you know be an example um, in this way um, for those who maybe feel that they're in that kind of a position to not speak their mind and should be able to. Uh, brava, brava, brava! I am cheering for you. <laughs> I uh, I um, I appreciate that you appreciate that, wow, um, here you are um, for the first time experiencing this and that, you know, I, again, I don't wish it to you, but I do, I do know it's making you stronger. I hear a lot of, um, of resilience of do the right thing, Meredith. So I just want you to, to know that I'm cheering for you all the way and, and here to help you. 
And for folks listening, you know, it, it can feel like, oh my gosh, I don't have a choice. I have to do this. I don't have to do this. And think about the internal conversations you're having. Surround yourself with people who you can share objectively a situation and who you value their input and then, and, and listen. And I would say that, you know, be your best friend, not your worst enemy. And when you know that you can be great and you're not in a position to be great and do great, well, here's opportunity. So, um, I, I'm really um, proud of you for uh, holding your own. And I do sense that, you know, maybe it, it felt bad or, but I, I feel like you're not letting it impact your sense of self, your own greatness. I think that can happen sometimes. You feel like, well, what am I doing wrong? Or what, you know, obviously I'm making mm. a mistake. And so, you know, if I'm, I don't hear that in you, and if you have that, I, I'm glad you've let it go because that's the other thing is, you know, Dory Clark was on the other day saying, don't listen to those people who tell you can't, right? Surround yourself with the people who mm. say you can. So, um, okay, yeah. well, you've been such a dream. I'm, I'm really grateful. Do you have a Thank top you. takeaway from our little conversation, Meredith? Oh, goodness, the top takeaway. Um, well, I think, you know, we started by talking, or you shared, starting by talking about it in this segment, that human-to-human connection. And I think that whether that is a human to human to, to, you know, two humans in an organization or multiple coming together, or it's that human connection that you're reminding yourself of in yourself, if that makes sense, right? I think both of those things are such important reminders, especially in a world where we are separate from one another. I think those reminders um, of, of what is on the inside and who we are and kind of doing that, that audit, um, whether we're sharing that audit with others or whether we're doing it for ourselves. Um, is so valuable. And I think that, you know, the takeaway for me here is, um, you know, one, I'm so grateful and, and, and um, for your, for your guidance and for, and for your, for rooting of me, for me here. Um, it also too is a reminder that, you know what, um, I do have to trust my instincts, my human instincts. And, um, and that's something that, um, that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm excited to finally be in the, in the mental space to be able to do and act upon that. So, so thank you for reassuring me of that um, and that reminder of that a human connection. It's, a, it's oh, really my you. honor. Yeah, my honor. And I'm appreciating you honoring you. So you go, Meredith. Um, I am here for you. Yeah, <laughs> I am here you, for Molly. you. And the thank world's going to be so better much. for you. Keep in touch. Take good care. Will do. You too, Molly. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Uh, okay, I'm wrapping my thought for the week. I'm celebrating the exuberance of our youth with this particular U.S. Open for tennis fans. It was really quite a weekend. I also want to celebrate their open campaign. When you're open, you are a champion for all. And that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Reflect on your own top takeaways and know I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality, essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Homelessness is a problem that's more costly to ignore than solve. The U.S. spends $12 billion a year responding, but resources alone aren't enough. I'd like you to know there are cities and counties proving what does work. Partnering with Community Solutions, a nonprofit I'm on the board of, more than 80 communities around the country are succeeding in ending homelessness, beginning with chronic and veteran homelessness. They convene local leaders around data and are changing how they work and spend their resources. So homelessness becomes rare. More than half have already reduced the number of people experiencing chronic and veteran homelessness with commitment to get to zero. What can you do? 
visit www.built40.org and see whether your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness is an intractable problem. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out SayItSkillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too. 